In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. As always, wherever you get your podcast from, if you can rate and subscribe, if you want to leave a review, even better. We appreciate it. It helps us out a bunch. We're back after a week off. Do apologize for no episode last week. Had some circumstances pop up that kept us from putting together an episode that would have been worthwhile for you to listen to. So we are sorry about that, but we're back. Had a chance to watch open practice on Sunday. Hope some of you guys and gals got a chance to get out there and watch it. It was a beautiful day at Camp Randall. About a, what, about 3,500 people out there for what was the final uh, practice of fall camp for them. Is that right, Jesse? Yeah, that was the estimate given. Uh, it was a great day, and people got to see 45 minutes of football. So didn't cost a thing. I, I, that's a good thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I, I'll be honest. Walking in there, I wasn't expecting to see scrimmage. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't we have not seen them in full pads this fall. Uh, every other time, I mean, they've been in shoulder pads sometimes, been in, you know, in uh, helmets other times. We only saw four practices, so it's not like there's a, there was a huge um, number of practices for us to see that, but it was uh, it was good to see. I mean, I, that's the first scrimmage, really, that we had seen in fall camp. I don't know how much you got out of it. Probably not a ton with it being, you know, only being about 45 minutes. But it was uh, the end of fall camp for them. I thought, Jesse, we could go through some of our uh, fall camp storylines and then maybe uh, some of the questions we still have. I, I have a list. I don't know if you have a list. I, pr- I probably should have prepped you for this. But, I, but I'll get – I'm sure some of our uh, most notable things coming out of fall camp are probably the same. Uh, but I want to start uh, with number five for me, and that is depth at cornerback um, because Alexander Smith did not take part in – in fall camp at all. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. They want to, they don't want to rush him back. Jim Leonard said, you know, hamstrings for cornerbacks can be a little uh, touchy and you don't want it to be extended into the season. He has talked about Alexander Smith as being their best cornerback and, you know, the type of spring that he had and how good he was playing. You hope that he's able to kind of hit the ground running if you're Wisconsin, even though he may not practice a ton before the first game. They've also been without Justin Clark for the last about the last week and a eh, about the last week is he deals with an injury as well. We all, you know, his injury history, seventh year corner, <laughs> Max Lofi missed much of fall camp. So they're, they've taken a little bit of a hit there. And I think if, uh, if some of those guys are out, I think they get a little thin, especially at the slot, because without Justin Clark who played a bunch in the slot, it would be Almon Williams. And I don't know, like Almon Williams has made a ton of plays. The walk-on from Milwaukee has made a ton of plays in spring, both springs that we've seen, but I think uh, he's also given up his fair share. And if that is, if he's going to be your starting nickel, and I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but that would be a little bit of concern. Do you have any concern there with, with the depth of cornerback with the injuries kind of that they've dealt with and, and Smar Melvin as well has missed a bunch of time. At this point, I don't only because they're still, as we're talking, a little under two weeks before the season opener. And and this is going to be a critical week for the team in general, because Paul Chris said afterward when he was talking to the fans that this is the week that they're going to establish the two deep death chart and who's going to be on the scout team. Yeah, there's no question that those are some key names. I don't know how long either are going to be out. Obviously, it's concerning that Smith hasn't been able to go because, as you said, 
of how good he's been. Jim Leonard described him as phenomenal during the spring and the summer. And, and Hank Poteet said he was clearly the number one corner that was back in the spring. And Justin Clark, we saw all the battles in the spring with Jim Ray DK that he had established himself right away as the top slot corner. But you still have Jay Shaw and Ricardo Hallman. And as long as those guys are healthy, I think Wisconsin has a really good top line. But as we know, they play in the nickel a ton. So uh, I don't know what to make of, of if Amon Williams is going to be the the key guy. And it's an if at this point, obviously, because he does make a ton of plays. But it does also seem like he's he's on the other end, uh, as you said, of, of some big plays as well. I, right now, I'm not overly concerned just because there's a little bit of time here and we don't we're not going to know exactly what's happening behind the scenes. But it's definitely something to monitor here as we we get into the season opener and, and not even necessarily the Illinois state game, but we know what's looming at the end of September. Yeah, for sure. And that's obviously the games that you would want them to be as healthy as possible for uh, on a, on a September 24th, when they go to Ohio state. I also thought uh, the, the inside linebacker battle continues uh, mm-hmm. very, that this is number four on my list. I think there's very little separation at inside linebacker. We've seen, or did see yesterday and, and, and really over the last the other two practices uh that we were able to see last week, Jake Cheney, Tate Grass, Jordan Turner, Muma uh Jong Meta, and Brian Sanborn all still very much in the mix. And obviously, um the thing is, I think uh, Jordan Turner can end up being the guy over Tate Grass. They play the same spot, they play the mic, they've been in a battle. For whatever reason, he just hasn't been running with the ones nearly as much as I thought he would in, in Jordan Turner. So that 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 caught me by by surprise, and I think Jake Cheney will, will end up winning the other spot, the uh, the spot opposite the mic, as he competes with Muma. But there's 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 still a lot to be said there, and I think all five guys are going to play. This is not going to be a situation where we saw in the past two years under Bob Bostad with Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, where they're playing every single snap, essentially, pretty much. Right. If you looked at this Sunday scrimmage of which guys are with the top group in the front seven, everybody else was the usual suspects. The D-line, Keanu Benton was at nose. You had Isaiah Mullins and Rodas Johnson at defensive end. And the outside linebackers in the top group were Nick Herbig and C.J. Getz. Um, Getz has made a lot of progress. Obviously, I think we both think Daryl Peterson's going to have a major role. But at inside linebacker, it was just kind of a – a mishmash basically like a bunch of people were working together and it sort of felt like Mark D'Onofrio and the rest of the staff is still trying to figure out the combinations. There were, I was trying to take notes on it. You know, Brian Sanborn was with Tate grass for a series. Jake Cheney was with Tate grass, Muma John Meta and Jordan Turner were together. Um, I thought coming in that Turner would be the guy just because, and I, I still think he's going to wind up <laughs> uh, with the top group because of what we saw last season in limited snaps and the progress that I think he has made. But Paul Chris talked about it uh, on Monday morning as well. It's, it's not a situation where they feel like they don't have anybody. Um, you know, they've got more than two guys. Now the question comes down to, is there going to be a communication issue if you've got to rotate multiple players through? But I think it's shaping up to be a season in which it's going to be much different than last year. Clearly Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn handled basically all the snaps Mike Mascalunas came in for a little bit, but that was it. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily going to be two guys and the other three are just sitting most of the game. I don't think it's a bad problem to have, really. If anything, it's been maybe a pleasant surprise, and and particularly that Brian Sanborn has worked his way into this conversation as well as a 
as a fifth guy who could potentially get snaps. But clearly, based on Sunday, they're still working through the combinations here. Yeah, and they, again, they do still have some time. So that was number four on my list of, of stories. My third is the three-headed monster at tailback because mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, it, it's you know, Braylon Allen and then you're hoping that Ches Malusi can come back off that injury. You're hoping Isaac Garendo can come back off of his injury and, and give you something. And what I saw in fall camp was those guys giving them a lot. Uh, obviously, Braylon Allen is the lead back, and he's going to be a force to rec- be reckoned with. And I think he's going to get a you know a lion's share of the carries. But the way Ches Malusi has come back off of his injury and the way that he looked – and some of the practices that we got to see, it looked like he didn't have an injury at all. It didn't It didn't even look like he was hurt last year. You couldn't tell a difference. I think he's actually kind of quicker than he was last year, at least some of the – and I shouldn't even say that's me thinking that. I've talked to some of the linebackers, and they think he's he's quicker. doesn't know about – straight line speed is probably never going to be Ches Malusi's calling card, but uh, quicker, stronger, a little bit more difficult to deal with, according to those guys. And then Isaac Garendo certainly showed up as well, but – I think that was a huge question for me coming into spring, into fall was, are those guys healthy enough? Are they going to be able to make it through? How much are they even to participate? And both of them were like full participants from the jump. And so I think that I don't even, I don't want to call it a three headed monster because obviously Braylon's at the top of it. And then you have the other two, but it, it offers them a lot to, to work with. I think at that spot. No question about it. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but it's incredible that Chesma Lucy is back and performing at the level that he is when you consider he suffered the torn ACL late in the season. Um, obviously, everybody rehabs a little bit differently, but it could have been a situation where it was 12 months and he wouldn't have been ready to go until late in this season. So it's quite a luxury that Wisconsin has. It's really astounding to think about all the talent they've had at that position and that this is a group that has has its sets uh, uh sights set very high you know braylon allen had the tweet where he had the those three guys and he juxtaposed it with a picture of monte ball james white and melvin gordon a uh, pretty good group to try and live up to i don't know if this group will get there but hey uh there's a ton of potential and reason for excitement and i do think as you said they, it gives them something a little bit different obviously braylon will run through a dude's face he'll, he'll march on lynch somebody <laughs> um <laughs> but i think i think Chez provides a nice uh, kind of curveball. And, and Isaac, as we know, his speed, when especially at the top end, you're just not going to catch him. And I think those guys can be utilized in different ways as pass catchers as well, which will help to kind of keep Braylon Allen healthy. That's going to be one of the biggest keys to the season is you don't want him carrying the ball 25, 27 times a game if, if you don't have to do that. And I think the ability to have those other two guys changes the dynamic for the offense. Yeah, for sure. I know that there were some asking about, or there have been some asking about like Julius Davis. It's a really tough spot to crack right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to be on the field or get on the field. Uh, Cause those three guys are, I think clearly their top three. Um, and that's going to be one of those, I mean, it's, I don't want to call it unfortunate. Uh, Julius has had his chances, right? Like he's uh, had, he got some opportunities last year with injuries and he was okay. But when all three of those guys are healthy, it's going to be very difficult for other guys to get carries. So um, I guess I would be surprised to see uh, Julius Davis uh, a bunch if, if these three guys stay healthy. Um, so that, that's the, uh, the tailback spot kind of in combination with that, Number two on my list, 
The offensive line still a bit in flux uh, as uh, injuries have popped up. Jack Nelson, uh, according to uh, 24-7 Sports, uh, had surgery on his thumb to to fix a torn ligament last week. He was in a, it, I mean, it was a very small hand cast yesterday. Um, I would even call it a brace more so than even a cast. But uh, he apparently is going to be back next week, or I guess this week, uh, back at practice. He's your left tackle if he's healthy. Um, but they also lost Tanner Bordellini during during camp, went down with what appeared to be a, a left leg injury and uh, was unable to put a ton of weight on it walking off. But we saw him uh, a couple days later and he appeared uh, to be able to walk just fine. And I think they avoided a serious, serious injury there. It, it, honestly, when he went down, Jesse, it, it looked really, really bad and uh, he needed help getting off the field. But he's likely going to miss some time. And so you have some some flux along that line due to injuries. If they were to play a game tomorrow, I guess we I don't know. It depends whether Jack Nelson can go. If Jack Nelson could go, yes, tomorrow. I think your offensive line is Jack Nelson at left tackle, Tyler Beach at left guard, Joe Tipman at center, Michael Fortney at right guard, and uh, Riley Mallman at right tackle. If Jack Nelson is out for an extended period, then Riley, Riley Mallman likely your left tackle, and Logan Brown your right tackle. But there's still some pieces to put together. Uh, and I still don't – like even that right tackle spot, if Jack Nelson is healthy – Still apparently a little bit of a competition, though I think Riley Mullman has a little bit of a, an upper hand at this point. I would have to agree. And during the scrimmage on Sunday, because Jack wasn't healthy, Riley was the left tackle and they had Logan Brown at right tackle. But in the last week, Riley was getting the one reps on the right side and Logan was getting the twos. I think that Riley would have the edge. It's a good problem to have, even though Bob Bosted would have wanted the entire situation to be solved probably the first day of fall camp. But that is the biggest question with the first day of spring. Yeah, the first day of spring. Yeah, that's true. Uh, That's the biggest question, though, with the top line group is what they do at right tackle. I think Riley is just of all the young guys, obviously the most game ready. Um, And I think Logan gives them a good option, too. I know people have been waiting on on Logan to be the player that people wanted him to be when he was the five star signee in the 2019 class. Um, I think this group has a chance to be really, really special. Um, But. Obviously, with the injuries, they're still trying to figure things out. I have been told that Jack could be back as early as Tuesday. Uh, Wisconsin has a day off Monday, um, but that this week would be the expectation. So that's enough time to get ready for game week if that does come to fruition uh, and they can get the line ready to go. But with the twos, uh, you know, I feel like it's Wisconsin is one of the few places where you really kind of care about who's running with the second team offensive line because of just how much talent there is. The second group, they had Nolan Rucci at left tackle. Joe Brunner is at left guard. And now Dylan Barrett is running with the twos as the backup center because Tanner Bordellini is out. J.P. Benchwell is at right guard. And then Trey Wedig is at right tackle. And, and Bostead has talked about that he wants to have four centers available uh, because of what can happen. And he's mentioned multiple times what happened back in 2009 against Fresno State when they were down to their third or fourth center. Um, so Barrett's getting a lot of work. In that second group, I think the biggest surprise to me is Joe Brunner working with the yeah. twos at left guard. Um, he, he came in, and the expectation was that he'd work at right guard, but Bostead felt like he'd have a better opportunity on the left side. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, that a true freshman uh, can can work his way up like that. And I, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get a ton of snaps this season, but there's a reason why he was a four-star in-state lineman, and, and Wisconsin got him. It's a big deal in the 2022 recruiting class. Well, I think it's also a big deal that he it was, he was moved up there even before Tanner Bordellini got hurt. So like, he was the he was a left guard with the twos, and 
Um, you know, Bordellini had been working a little bit at guard as well as center. I mean, I, again, we don't know what would have happened, but I think that there was a chance, a chance that he may have been able to unseat either Tyler Beach or Michael Furtney, uh, just based on some of the practice reps that we saw from him. It, it wasn't consistent, um, but he, th- there was a possibility he did get some reps with the ones, uh, very limited reps with the ones, but he had some reps with the ones at both spots, but you, that's just his versatility, right? Like he can, he can do whatever he wants, but yeah, Joe Brunner had to have made an impression. And it, you know, I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, guys coming out of high school at offensive line weren't ready to to play right away. They just weren't, they weren't big enough, but the way that all these uh, high school programs do it is there's so much emphasis on in the weight room. There's so much emphasis on your, you know, building your body up even in high school that these guys are coming in more prepared than ever to be ready to play early. Uh, and Joe Brunner is certainly that case. He doesn't look, you know how like sometimes you see offensive linemen, they come in, they look a little bit different than the older guys. He doesn't look any different than the older guys. He looks exactly like them. I don't know, but I don't know if you've had that same, if you have that same impression of him, but he does, does not look like he's a, a true freshman. Yeah, well, he's listed at six five and three hundred and seventeen pounds. Yes, which that's is, not uh, <laughs> that's not a freshman. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, that would never have happened. Yeah, well, Bosted said that he he's got, he likes the combination of size, and he thinks he's tough, and he thinks he's going to be physical, and not that he's there yet. He really likes the attributes, and the the goal here is to develop him and try to, as Bosted said, fast forward him as much as you can. You know, Bosted doesn't. He's not one to hand out praise to guys just because, and obviously there's some caveats there in terms of the growth that Brunner's got to have, but I think there's a lot of potential there. And man, it, you just keep look going down the list of this offensive line and uh, who is waiting in the wings and developing. And it's really incredible what they have. Just look at the second team line uh, or that was there on Sunday. You had three guys who were four-star players and Nolan Rucci, a five-star prospect, um, it's amazing. I, you know, if you're a fan, there's a lot of reason to be excited there. For sure. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's we're we haven't even started the 2022 season. And I'm already thinking about the 2023 line at this point, jokingly kind of, but I mean, Jack Nelson left tackle, Joe Brunner at left guard, Joe Tipman at center, assuming he doesn't go pro. If he does, then it's Tanner Bonalini at center. If he's not, then it's, you know, uh, Tanner Bonalini part, uh, pot- uh, potentially at right guard. You know, you have Riley Moment right tackle, and, and behind them on the two tackles is a five-star Logan Brown and a five-star Nolan Rucci. It's a it's a very exciting thing to have if you're a, a Wisconsin fan. It's obviously also just on paper, and uh, it actually has to to hold up and actually show itself in the game. But yeah, there's, I mean, we've talked about this a ton, Jesse. There's just a ton of excitement when you talk about the talent on paper that they have, and we'll see if it actually plays plays out that way. If it translates, translates. Do you believe it's going to translate? What, like, what are you expecting from the offensive line this year compared to where it's been the last two years? Yeah, it's you know, it's never a surefire thing. And I think back to the 2018 season after the <laughs> magical 2017. Wow, they got three All Americans, and that team just it wasn't great. And I'm not going to put it all on the line, but <laughs> it, it had did, its own. <laughs> yeah, JT did run for 2,000 yards, but that's because they well, had absolutely he, he might have run for game. He might have run for 2,000 yards behind. Uh, you and me blocking. I mean, look mm. what he's doing. He's just ridiculous. I don't. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I don't mean to knock the, that old line. They they had some some talent. But the point is that it it doesn't always happen the way that you think it's going to happen. What do I expect? Well, Braylon Allen's got to be 
performing at an all American type level. And I think they can, they can help him get there. The key is, can they protect the quarterback and will the quarterback be able to do something with that protection? Um, I fully expect this line to be able to play at a really high level. It's, it's probably not fair to say that. I, I don't know. The Ohio state game to me is the one that you look at and say, okay, like what is this team made of? Um, but I think we do that a lot when they play Ohio state. Cause that's the gold standard in the big 10. I, I would expect Wisconsin to be three and zero going into that game. And that's the one where you actually see, what is the talent level and how do they match up? Cause that shows you where Wisconsin's going as a program. It's, it's the, it's the measurement that I think everybody uses. The litmus test. Yes. Right. It is. And it's also going to be extremely, extremely difficult. You know what yes. I mean? Like I, I, you say that that'll determine which way the program's going. Is that, you know, what, is that what you just said? Uh, it's not like if they lose the programs in decline, but look, What's the, I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent here, but what's the level of excitement coming into this season? I think that the, the avid fans are excited, but I, I wonder whether there's kind of a point where the program is just very good, hasn't quite been great. And can you break through and do something special? And that only happens if you can win that game. Yeah, slightly disagree. I think asking any team, much less this team, to go into Ohio State and win is, is a lot. And I don't think it necessarily would say that it's a, not a successful season if they don't, you know what I mean? Like, and, or that the program's heading in the wrong direction if they're unable to do that. I think that the more of the test is if you get to the big 10 championship game, can you beat them there? Because, oh, I, think absolutely. Go, because I think going down the road is one thing going to a neutral site. You've played these guys tough. The last two times you've, you've played them in Indy. Can you, can you get over the hump and, and do it there? I, I don't expect them to be even, I don't expect them to be in the game uh, on the 24th. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't expect that to be a close game. I could be completely wrong. Uh, I mean, they're four, what are they? It's like 14, 15 point underdogs at this point. And again, a lot could change between now and I mean, we still got a month before that day, and a lot could change in those first three games for both teams. But at this point, it's very difficult to see that. But that's why they play the games. I, I, I just envision like the same kind of thing that happened to them in 2019 down there. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, trying to suggest that if they lose, it's a failure of a season. I, I guess my point that I was making, which I realize is a bit of a tangent to what the, the offensive line is going to be this season, is just like people are waiting. Can Wisconsin take the next step and, and do something different? Or is it just the same old team? And granted, that same old team is the envy of 100 FBS programs. I just think they're sort of in an interesting space in the college football world. And, and that's the team that you've got to beat. Look, we've seen them lose to Ohio State before and come back and make the Big Ten championship. So we're not there yet. But again, I, I think to me that that is partially how I measure kind of where where that offensive line is at. If we think they're as talented as they could be, you know, what do they do with a, a group like Ohio State? I mean, can they at least hold their own and give Wisconsin a chance? Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, we haven't heard what time that game's going to be, but I think it's going to be a night game. I think Ohio State's wearing their black uniforms. It's, I, I know. I, I, we'll get to it. We got a month. We got a month <laughs> before that. We got plenty of football before that. Three games that Wisconsin has to play, starting uh, with Illinois State coming up here on September third. All right, my top takeaway or my top storyline coming out of uh, fall camp. Number one, can you guess what it is, Jesse? I want to guess, but I don't want to spoil it for you or the <laughs> listeners, who I'm sure okay. have no idea where we're headed. Yeah. Uh, number one, the passing game has improved. How much it's improved, 
That's up for debate. But <laughs> but anybody who watched those four practices, and especially the last two, including Sunday, has to admit, at least on a very, very small level, that there has been improvement in the past game since last fall. That's just that. I mean, that's just where I'm at mentally. And it wasn't you know, Sunday was fine. They they made some plays on Sunday, Monday. And I've said this a couple different places. They made more plays in that one practice than they had in the last three camps combined, like going back to spring, going back to fall camp 21, going back to fall uh, spring ball uh, in, in 2021. Those three put alls combined. They did more on Monday than they had in any of those other practices that the media got to see. So uh, were there still some bonehead throws? Absolutely. And that certainly was the case on Sunday with some of Chase Wolf throwing into coverage, got picked off, probably should have been picked off a couple of times. But I am more optimistic about the pass game at this point than I was going into fall camp. And again, it was four practices. We usually get to see, what, eight or nine. So there could have been uh, a lot of bad stuff happening in all these other practices that we don't know about. Paul Chris has talked about how they're not where they need to be yet. Uh, I, to me, that means that they are moving in the right direction. But I think the passing game has improved. I think Graham Mertz uh, has improved. And I certainly think he's got a bevy of weapons that we saw throughout the, uh, without, throughout fall camp making plays. Dean Ingram, Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell, Jim Ray DK came on, especially Sunday. Like There have been guys, almost all of them have made plays at different times. I don't know how much it's improved, but I definitely think it's better than where it is last uh last fall and that it won't mean anything if they get into the game and he gets battered around and it turns back into what it was uh at the beginning of last year i mean i would love to see what uh would happen if you could actually hit the quarterbacks in practice because i think that certainly changes up your mindset a little bit and you know throwing the ball under pressure and throwing the ball when you're getting hit is a bunch different than knowing you're not going to get hit but they made it strides and i don't i don't necessarily know what that'll mean for you know, September 3rd or September 24th, the more important date. But I think they've made strides. Yeah, I think Graham has been better. And I think he's got a group of wide receivers that are better than what you would think considering the experience or the lack of experience. Because Sunday was a good example. And I think it's worth pointing out that there this was not a scrimmage that featured the ones on the ones. So if the starting offense was out there, it was the twos. And in some instances, it was the threes and the fours. I mean, Skylar Bell caught a touchdown pass from Graham Mertz, about a 10-yard throw. And I think it was a fourth string safety who he beat. So you got to take all this with a grain of salt. And not to mention the fact that Graham can't get hit. There's a reason the quarterbacks are wearing black jerseys. But there have been some good moments. And it seems like he's starting to stack them. And Wisconsin is showing that there are a bunch of different guys who can make plays. There was a moment on Sunday, just as the fans were coming in, reporters had about five minutes or so before the fans came in. And and Graham dropped in a perfect touchdown to Marcus Allen of about 60 yards. Marcus just ran by a couple defenders and, and caught a ball at the 30 or so with his arms outstretched. Graham dropped it right in there. And then Graham, when he led a touchdown drive during the scrimmage, had a, a couple great throws, a 30-yard play action to Chimray DK. Chimray made some contested catches, a diving throw on the sideline. And Dean Ingram, too. I think he's going to contribute out of the slot. It's pretty amazing what he's been able to do, considering he spent the last three years at cornerback. But I think the fact he was a slot corner helps him offensively. I, I feel like I didn't see a ton of huge plays from Keontis Lewis. But again, you know, uh, they've been practicing for for three weeks now and there have been a lot 
of practices going on behind the scenes. But Chimray, I talked to him last week, and he feels like Keontes gives them a, a lengthy, fluid player that they really haven't quite had, um, you know, maybe in the last year or two. And obviously, Skylar Bell, to me, has been the standout among the wide receivers. Clearly the number two guy, consistently making plays, came up with a couple big catches from Graham in the scrimmage. So there's reason for optimism, but I think, you know, it's I don't want to speak for all fans, but I I think it's a tempered optimism that no matter what you hear about what's happening in fall camp, no matter what you read, there is, to your point, that feeling of, well, let's wait and see what what's actually going to happen in the games, uh, because we've heard a lot of this before. Graham is extremely confident. He believes in himself. He spent a lot of time in the offseason working on getting better. There are wide receivers capable of making plays. Is it going to come together? And the passing game is going to be decisively or distinctively different. Um, that remains to be seen. Yes. I, I, I don't want to say I've stopped listening uh, to Graham when he talks because <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't. But you're right. It is a lot of the same things every year. Um, you know, I, I remember talking to him. I remember, talk, you know, asking about him at Media Day 2021 and, you know, I'm like, Graham's the most confident guy I've ever talked to. And it feels like his confidence has gone up even more. And, you know, fall camp 2022, some of those same questions are, are coming. I, you've always been confident. You seem even more confident now. Like there are like those those type of things. So I I want to see it on the field. I, mm-hmm. I, I can completely get where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm feeling confident, feel good you know, sitting in on these meetings with wide receivers to talk, talk about like the type of coverages that, that I've seen to, you know, to help them uh, understand what I'm seeing. Like those are things that I haven't done before. Like there's, those aren't necessarily cliches, but they are kind of the stories of this time of year. And eventually it just comes down to what you do on the field. And so as much as, you know, I, I, he says all the right things. We know he does. He's, he always takes the blame for everything. He always puts the blame on himself. He owns all that type of stuff. But at some point, it's just, you know, I, I get all that, but let's see it on the field. And I, I think he's excited to do that. Like, he's he's anxious to be able to get on the field and show people that he has made strides. But until it actually happens, it's it's kind of all just lip service to what we've talked about the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I think that's where I think people are at this stage outside the program of like, show me on the field. I would say this is what you want your quarterback to be. You you damn sure don't want your quarterback talking openly about how he questions his own confidence. So that's a good starting point is he believes in himself and he's put the time in. But again, this is the proof is in the pudding and it's time to go do it on Saturdays. And he's got two years as a starter under his belt now. You know, I think last year the storyline was, well, there's 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 no excuses because you're coming off the COVID year and you have everyone back. And and now there is some transition offensively. And obviously he's on his third offensive coordinator or, or third quarterbacks coach in the last three years, but he's been here for a long, long time and he knows the system. He's made some good throws in spring and fall, but you got to go do it on the field and you got to do it consistently. That's the other thing, because, you know, for as good of as he was in stretches on, on Sunday, there were also moments where there were some misfires or a ball that could have been intercepted or a couple passes over the middle to running backs that were thrown behind them. And it's not that I expect him to be a hundred percent in practice, but those are the types of things you have to clean up because when you do play the better teams in the big 10, they're going to make you pay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quickly, before we move on the young wide receivers, mm-hmm. I, I I thought Marcus Allen in the last two practices that I, that uh, we got to see 
made made a bunch of plays. Uh, I think it was kind of what we were looking for. Uh, last Monday's practice, he uh, went up and ripped a couple 50-50 balls down for touchdowns. I mean, I he had that, what, about a 55-yarder, 60-yarder, uh, as you mentioned, to start practice yesterday. He, did, he just made a, a lot of plays that maybe he wasn't making earlier in camp based on what we saw. I mean, there were some, there were some drops earlier in camp. Uh, there was uh, some miscommunication earlier in camp with Graham. Like those are the, those are the type of things that you would be concerned about if you were a coach, but he, uh, I think he really bounced back and had a strong close to, to fall camp. I, I, that was the, that was the Marcus Allen I was kind of expecting in the spring after a yeah. really strong bull prep. It didn't happen so much for him in the spring. It was a little bit slow to start, but made some plays, definitely made some plays uh, the last uh, few days. So those, those were my top five. Do you have any ones that um, that I, that we did not address? Was there anything else that uh, you know, big storylines that that uh, we did not just uh, talk about right there? We've made it all this way, and we haven't even talked about special teams, Zach. <laughs> my my man crutch Vito Calvaruso hasn't uh, hasn't done anything because he's been hurt. But I yeah. do think Nate I do think Nate Van Zelst has performed pretty well. Um, it's not like they're trotting him out there for sixty yard field goals. It seems like things are are trending in that direction. I mean. Yeah, that may not be the major storyline or even make the top five, but just in general, some of the things we saw, like, you know, Keontes Lewis handled a a kick return uh, on Sunday because Stefan Bracey uh, wasn't dressed. He's been battling an injury. He's had injuries throughout his college career. He's electric when he's on the field. He had the 91-yard touchdown return against Nebraska, but I think they're still going through a couple guys for for some of those return spots. Yeah, they they definitely are. Uh, nothing on, on Andy Vujinovic? Vujinovic? He's... He's still ridiculously strong. He still punts the hell out of the ball. And he moved up on uh, my colleague Bruce Feldman's annual freaks list. I think he was 87 last year, uh, and and he moved up to 80. So good on him for a punter showing up in the annual freaks list again. That is, yeah, that is impressive. He is a he is an impressive dude. Uh, a couple of more standouts, or I want to talk about a couple of standouts from practice yesterday. James Thompson, Jr., yeah, uh, really, really stood out. A couple of really, really impressive plays in the backfield. Very quick for as as big as he is. I think that some people question the defensive line coming in, whether it could be as good as it was last year. Eh, I, uh, I I did not have questions, and I think they kind of showed in camp that they're still going to be quite good down there. Him and Rodas Johnson both had uh, standout efforts at times uh, during fall camp. I mean, Rodas made like three plays in a, in a matter of about six plays. Uh, in practice on Saturday, last Saturday, and then also uh, then James Thompson Jr. obviously on Sunday made made some impressive stops in the backfield as well. They're going to be fine there. I think they're. I honestly think they're going to be just fine there. I went into camp, and I actually even say I went into camp. I, I've been talking about all off season, where I think this defense is going to be better. I should say is going to be on the level of last year's defense. I've, I've made that point quite a bit. Nothing in fall camp has turned me off that. I don't know where you come down on that, but I I still feel very very confident. Assuming they stay healthy in uh, key spots, I think they def- definitely need Alexander Smith, definitely need Justin Clark uh, out there. But I think nothing's changed for me in that respect. I don't, has it changed at all for you? I don't even know. I don't even. I know you weren't probably thinking the same thing as me, but I I, I feel like they're they got a chance to be special again. Well, when you say on the level. They led the country in total defense. They broke the school record for run defense that stood for like 70 years and were in fourth in scoring defense and pass defense. So statistically, do you think they're going to be a top four defense in those categories this year? Is that is that 
how you want to equate it. It's a feel thing, Jesse. It's a feel right. thing. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's a feel, feel thing. thing. I, I, I feel I feel like they have a chance to be on that level. Okay. Doesn't mean they're going to be. I st- I'm saying like nothing's changed my mind that I think that they can reach that level. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's it's where I'm at in my mind. I think they can. I think they can reach that level. We'll see if they are. I mean, I don't think they're at that spot right now. Right? They don't. They don't have complete answers at inside linebacker. They have some questions at, at, in the in the secondary, but I think they have a chance to be on that level. That's that's where my mind is at. I'm not saying statistically they're going to be right there, but I think they have a chance when you think about this defense to be on that, uh, uh, reaching that level that they were at last year, despite having to replace eight guys off of that group. Well, I still think they're going to be one of the better defenses in the country. I don't think they're going to be quite at the level that they were last year. Um, obviously Wisconsin has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to plugging in guys at certain positions. And I think they're going to be just fine at inside linebacker, but Leo Chanel was an All-American and Sanborn was a multi-year starter who was an All-Big Ten player. Um, and I mean, the stats are going to come from somewhere. So if it doesn't come from them, maybe Nick Herbig develops into the monster All-American and follows the Leo Chanel path and, and goes to the NFL. But sometimes that that offseason talk about that they lost eight starters, that is technically true. Um, but to your point, why I think that there's not going to be a substantial drop off, if any, is the guys that they have that they they totally reloaded at corner. They've got guys who are sixth and seventh year players who are going to be major contributors, and the D line I think is going to be as good. So I think they're like I think they might be a top ten defense this year, which is phenomenal. Maybe that's even considered elite level, but I am sort of reserving judgment on the fact that they're going to be as good as they were last year because. They were historically good last year from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's very difficult when you break a record <laughs> that's that's that stood for a really, really long, really, as you said, really, really long time since 1951. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Again, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's it is. It's ridiculous, and they may not be as great against the run, but I think they have a chance to be uh, nearing that. It's, you're, when you lose the two guys they lost in the middle, it's 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 really difficult. Matt Henningsen, probably one of the more underrated players that has been at Wisconsin, I, I would think. No, would you agree? I mean, like nobody nobody talks about him, and that include and when I say nobody, that in, I include myself in that. Like I just kind of sometimes gloss over that. But he was a playmaker in the backfield, made some big plays, uh, especially early in his career. Uh, what he had a couple touchdowns in 2019, I believe, uh, falling out of fumble and uh, also. Uh, yeah, picking up a fumble. He didn't get two fumble returns for touchdowns. But he's gone, and yet I still think James Thompson Jr. and Rodas Johnson have a chance to be uh, playmakers there in their own right. So uh, it's difficult. It's difficult, but I'm I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to back off it. I'm sticking with it and saying they're, they're going to make uh, uh, enough plays to be right. They have a chance to challenge, challenge that defense uh, and reach its level from last year. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll have to th- nail it down. We'll have to nail it down when we do our over under episode and, and really uh, drill in on the details and the stats of what we think is going to happen. Yes. And we'll do that leading into uh, game week next week. Um, a few other guys that I wanted to talk about some younger, young guys that we haven't mentioned Deacon Hill still number three, and we didn't get to see him at all on Sunday. Didn't really get to see a, a ton uh, in the any of the other practices as well. 
anybody that was hoping, and I was one of those guys. I think uh, you know, arm talent wise, he's got he's got everything you want. There were some more touch on passes at times. I talked to some wide, some of the wide receivers saying that yeah, he's kind of taken a little bit off his fastball at times, and yet I don't think he made a push at all to potentially unseat Chase Wolf as the backup. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're, I don't think that's it. It's really particularly close. It's chase. It's Graham or Graham Mertz, chase Wolf. And then uh, Deacon Hill, probably not a ways, ways down, but a pretty significant uh, margin between those two, which is again, disappointing. I think it for some, uh, it's kind of disappointing for me because I still have uh, him as a starting quarterback, at Wisconsin at some point, but he did not uh, in fall camp, at least did not make that push. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he, you don't see him even rotating with Chase, that they know who they've got for their backup. It's someone who's been in the program for a long time, understands the offensive system. And next year, it's going to be a, a new opportunity because Chase is a fifth-year senior. And that, I think, could be a, a chance for for Deacon to really show what he can do. But I think he did make some really big strides. Uh, he lost a little bit of weight since the spring. I think he was listed at 262 back then. He's at 251. He talked about how he got into more of a routine off the field. He's taken things more seriously. And we did see a little bit better touch. And those were some of the, the questions that you have surrounding Deacon is, yeah, he can he can laser that ball 60 yards down the field, but can you put it on a guy in the flat and not throw it 140 miles an hour or, or throw it out of bounds? Um, and I think he just he looks better, but still a ways to go. And, and that's indicative of, uh, you know, who they had repping with the twos during the scrimmage. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't be overly shocked, but um, CJ gets at, to this point, holding off Daryl Peterson for that number yep. one job. Impressive uh, in my mind. Cause I think there, I, I think a lot of people had Daryl Peterson jumping up and being the starter. And again, there's still plenty of time for that to happen over the next week and a half before, uh, before the first game. But that's, I think that says something about CJ gets. Yeah. Veteran who knows the system. I know I've said this before. Bobby April mentioned in the spring. He considered Getz to be the best run stopper among all the outside linebackers. I think Daryl's going to have a big role this season. Um, but it's a good problem to have that you've got guys you can rotate. I know you believe that it's, uh, you know, the the best, what, the best position group uh, on the roster? I mean, I think. Or certainly I think, on the defense outside think, of the offensive line? I mean, I think, no. I mean, I, I would give it to. I would give it to the outside linebackers at this point. I think they're more proven. Uh, eh, maybe that's not fair. I guess I'm thinking of Nick Herbig being proven, which he clearly is. I mean, Wisconsin's outside linebackers, with the top of it, Nick Herbig, have proven more than the offensive line has. Would you agree? I mean, Nick Herbig's an All-Big Ten player. The offensive line, you know, maybe yeah, – uh, I don't, I know, don't know, man. It's hard to compare because there's five guys, but Joe Tippman was an uh, honorable mention All-Big Ten. I know Beach didn't have a great season. He's played a ton. Jack Nelson – has also played a ton. So, uh, yeah, the best guy is Herbig, is Herbig but I, I, I uh, this is that's semantics tough. and a non sequitur. Yeah. I'd probably put the O line one, but yeah, All there's right, a lot of talent. The point is that at outside linebacker and, and Getz does deserve a lot of credit because I think some people assumed that Peterson was just going to come in there and take the spot. And that hasn't been the case as of yet. No, it hasn't. And, Again, yes, I, I do think it's the best position group because I think there's five starters there. I think uh, Caden Johnson, TJ Bowlers, Peterson, along with Herbig and Getz, they could all start and probably would at most programs. Um, and Nick Herbig is poised for a huge, huge season. Uh, there there were times 
him and Jack Nelson going at it one-on-ones and, and also going at it in teamwork. And uh, th- there were some really, really good battles. Herbig won one of them on uh, on Saturday. This is just a wicked, a wicked spin move that just had Jack Nelson and I don't want to say in shambles. That's unfair, but uh, he, he 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 got rid of him pretty quickly on a, a great spin move and fell right into Graham Mertz's lap. It was uh, it was a really really impressive move, and I think he's just I think he's just got a ton of energy. He's got a ton of ability. He, I know teams are going to focus on him. I, I expect a lot of double teams or at least chipping. He's going to be a focus, and uh, I still think he's going to produce. So that's a really good thing for Wisconsin's defense. Uh, we the one position we haven't talked about on the uh, other side of the ball is tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it's pretty clear based on some of the. Uh, Patterns or substitution patterns we saw throughout camp that it's, you know, Clay Cundiff, Jack Eschenbach, Hayden Rucci at the top, and then, you know, some other guys further on down the line. I still am intrigued by Jack Pugh, who returned to practice uh, this week. But at the top, I st- I, those three guys stand out, along with Cole Dokovich as well. Yeah, they've got a lot to prove this year, even though, um, you know, there's a lot of potential. Eschenbach's been here for a long time, but Jake Ferguson is is one of the best tight ends to ever play here. Um, the stats are ridiculous that he caught at least one pass every game he played. So yeah, those are the clearly the top three. Rucci, obviously more of a blocker. Cundiff and Eschenbach give you some downfield potential. Um, and then you're going to need all of them because of how many tight ends Wisconsin uses in the various formations. Was there any, uh, were there any other surprises that, uh, that you take out of this? Um, this is not for this season, but I would say that one true freshman who caught my eye is wide receiver, Vinny Anthony. I just, I really like him. I like his game. He makes plays when he's on the field and he's not getting on the field with the ones, but even during a short stretch with the twos on Sunday, um, you know, they used him in the backfield. They, he caught a couple of passes. He caught a ball in traffic inside the five. It was called back because of a, a holding penalty, but I just really like his game and think he's going to give Wisconsin a good dynamic down the road. He's not obviously in the top five, but just for a true freshman to flash in the, in the handful of opportunities he gets and, and in the, the handful of opportunities reporters have to watch, that says something. Uh, are there still some unknowns, though, because we only got to see so little of fall camp. Are there still some unknowns uh, as we uh, as we head into, you know, uh, the week before game week? I think uh, it feels like there are. I know less about this team at this point than than I would normally. Well, the biggest unknown is the overarching question about the offense. What is it going to look like? How different is it actually going to be? Clearly they're going to rely on the run game as they should because of the talented tailbacks that they have and, and what we believe to be a pretty good offensive line, but it comes back to the passing game and what specifically is going to be different. That's, that's the question that I think, We've all been asking since Bobby Ingram was hired when we've had an opportunity to talk to him or the players, what exactly is different? And, and a lot of it is they kept it close to the vest for the most part. Well, there's different terminology. We want to get more playmakers involved, get them in space, maybe get the ball, have Graham get the ball out quicker. We saw some of that in the spring. I think it's intentionally been probably a bit vanilla for what's been available to reporters in the fall. But that's my biggest question still is what does this look like? How different is the passing game going to be? And I don't necessarily know if we're going to get the answer in the season opener, because do you want to put it all out there on tape in a game that you're probably going to win anyway? 
But eventually the answers are going to come. That's my biggest question still. Don't you have to work on it though? Like you have to, I mean, you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to be throwing vanilla stuff out there and then come the 24th, you're, you're doing that stuff in a game for the first time, right? Like yeah, you have for to, sure. And, 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 you know, yeah, you have to, you have to do some of the stuff. You have to, you have to show a few wrinkles, new wrinkles to even le- like work on them in an actual game situation. I would hope so, man. I really would. I don't want to see Wisconsin run the ball 50 times and pass it 12 times. And, and that's, this is the kind of game where you could do that. You should not do that. And there's going to be some probably trick plays and other things they want to scheme up specifically for a better competition. But I, I hope we see some differences and some changes and what they've been working on all this time, because that's how Wisconsin is going to take that next step to not only challenge for a big 10 West title, but potentially a conference championship. They, they've been picked. They're, they're a top 20 team coming into this season. They've been picked by reporters to win the big 10. All of that's based on what you think you know about the team, or at least some of the pieces they have coming back. But in order to actually do it and to take that next step, they've got to do those things and put it on film with the passing game. Yeah, for sure. A couple off the field things, Jesse. Uh, sure. Initial initial reaction to the Big Ten new TV deal. That's a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> and Wisconsin's going to reinvest it in the program. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was with the. Yeah, that was going to be my other question. Was going to be about the the three hundred million dollar uh, football facility that they're going to try to build, um, and I imagine they they will be able to. But a happy coincidence, or, or I mean, just a, a coincidence that both of those things were announced on the same day. <laughs> um, well, you got to have the funds to be able to do it, and that certainly opens up a wealth of possibilities. And I think Wisconsin needs to do it. We the McLean Center has been around for a long time. Um, you know, it's not even a hundred yard field. You can't yeah. even you can't even punt in there like the there. We didn't see any special teams, really, uh, during spring practice because you're just in this bubble. So in order to it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. And that's something you have to do in this day and age. And I think it'll be a good thing for the program. Do you think it will help recruiting? No. Like I, I, what's <laughs> it? I, I, my my first response was no. I mean, yes, like it, it will be beneficial. It's it's yeah. not a bad thing. But when we say, do you think it'll help in recruiting? Does that mean they're going to start bringing in top 10 classes or more four-star players? I, I don't know if the practice facility single-handedly does that, especially at a place like Wisconsin, but it's not going to be, they're not going to be worse off for having a better facility. Right. But you talk about keeping up with the Joneses. What's the point of keeping up with the Joneses if it's not going to actually help you keep up yeah. with the Joneses? I mean, that is by, a very by, valid by, statement. And by Joneses, I'm talking about Ohio State. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how big of an impact it would have on uh, on recruiting with that money, especially when all these guys are going to start getting paid uh, at some point. Which Kevin Warren had set has said or did say in an interview, I think it was uh, on HBO. I think it was, maybe it was Real Sports. I don't know that he envisions event, players eventually getting paid. Will it matter what your facilities look like if you're paying them? And I don't, I don't know. Again, it's it's much needed because they're the the McLean Center, as you mentioned, outdated has has been in use. I think since the what was it the late mid to late '80s is when it was first built. They've done a lot of uh, renovation work underneath it and around it, but just not in it. And uh, it definitely does need need to be upgraded because you need a hundred yard field. You need to be able to do special teams wherever you are. Like it just, it just doesn't, it's not a great look. And it's like a, it's like a dungeon in there. Right. I mean, there's, there's no windows. It's humid as hell when it's, when it's warm out. I mean, it's just a, 
it's not up to date with what everybody else is doing. So uh, I, I like the look of the other thing uh, or of the uh, the new facility. It looks good. We'll see what it looks. I mean, if they do as good a job on that as they've done with the south end zone, it's gonna it's gonna really add something to that entire complex because it that its south end zone looks really good. Yeah, it, these are all much needed upgrades, and if you have the funds, you got to go do it and reinvest in the program. You know, it's a, probably another conversation to be had about recruiting and what happens. Um, but you don't want to be in a spot where you lose a recruit because they're looking at the facility and they're like, "What is this?" And all the other Big Ten programs have something extraordinary. It'll be fun to see how that all comes together. And again, I, I I marvel every time, I shouldn't say every time, but a lot of the time when I go in the building and and they were talking about it yesterday, uh, Matt LaPay was talking to Mike Lucas, how much the stadium had changed since he started covering Wisconsin football. And when you look around the stadium, you just look at what's been added even since, you know, the last 20 years. And I think about my childhood going there and uh, no, no, no boxes, no big uh, scoreboard on that end of the field. Obviously, Kellner Hall did not exist. Um, you know, just so many different things. The only thing that hasn't changed is the press box. Um, and, that, <laughs> and that is unfortunate. But Better TVs, Zach. Better TVs. When I yes. when I first started covering them about 11 years ago, they had the uh, box. Uh, yeah, the box TVs. They, there wasn't any. I don't. Flat screens didn't exist. And they hung from above and, and almost fell on my head. That's I was going to say. Jump around. I, I was going to say those those things had to be shaking every time jump around happened. Oh yes, they, they the were TVs squeaking. now shake. The TVs now shake. Uh, everything shakes up there. But like, I'd be really, really worried with a box TV stand, uh, above me. Like, it, you know, obviously, I think a, a flat screen would probably kill me too. But uh, the box, <laughs> the box, the box TV, smushing me. Yeah, I don't. It would probably be a closed casket if one of those things got to me. So, um, yes. Either way, next time we talk, Jesse, it's going to be game week. You excited? Excited to cover yeah. some actual football? Yeah, the offseason is long. It's been eight months. Let's watch some real games. Let's watch some real games. Uh, Illinois State, Wisconsin, September 3rd. We'll be back next week to talk about it. It is going to be finally game week for the Badgers. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp.